0: All right, good morning. Welcome in. Out of Bounds, ESPN 105.9 The Zone. We're live in the Bank Plus studio. The show is driven by your next Ram truck, pre-owned or new, at Mac Hike and Flowood, mackhikeflowood.com. That's mackhikeflowood.com. Uh Welcome in Steve Palazzolo on the Bucked Up Energy Drinks guest line. And uh, Steve Palazzolo, how are you, buddy?
1: Doing great. Thanks for having me back, as always.
0: Well, we appreciate you joining us. Uh, I was reading, uh, there's a guy by the name of Jack Krueger who played baseball at Mississippi State and was drafted and has basically lived in AAA for years, um, has gone through the Major League uh, Baseball Spring Training, and he kind of told his... his unfiltered story of minor league baseball. And he talked about getting paid. Uh, he's in his seventh year, Steve, and yeah. he talked about getting paid $480 every two weeks and you don't get paid in the off season and so on. He said, look, I'm just gonna give you a behind the scenes, raw, unfiltered of life in the minor leagues. You made it with the San Francisco giants to AAA. um, what was the most you ever made?
1: I ever made was because it was all monthly salary so I made 2800 a month when the Mariners signed me to go to AAA but when you're in that like six and a half year contract right out of uh, right out of initially getting signed in AAA I was making 2150 a month I believe it was for five months so whatever that ends up being so uh, yeah whatever yeah I've seen a few of those stories come out and uh, they're, all, they're all pretty legit. There's, there's not a lot of money in minor league baseball.
0: Uh, he talked about living with seven guys in a two-bedroom yeah. apartment on air mattresses. Uh, two in each bedroom, yeah. one in the kitchen, one in the uh, in the den. Did you experience anything like that?
1: Yeah, I did that when I uh, – so part of the issue is when you move around, right? So I got demoted from AAA to AA. So I had to go to um, where the heck was it? Was it down there? I don't know. I had to go. I was in the, when I was in the Southern League, so I was there for three weeks, and I was I was in a an apartment with five or six people. Yeah, because I just I didn't have a place to live, so I just had to, to join in where someone else was. So yeah, there's a lot of moving uh, across across levels too that that causes issues. And when you initially sign, you get the, they, they drop you in your new city for three days. They give you a hotel for three days, and you have to find an apartment in uh, in three days. Once you uh, get assigned to a place, wow, so, wow, yeah,
0: that's just uh, it's just it's incredible what you have to go through to uh, to get there. And look, man, I mean, he was honest. He was like, "Look, I chose to do this. Not asking you to feel sorry for me. I'm just letting you know what right. what it's like to be a minor league." And he is like you, Steve. I mean, he's been up with the major league. Organizations. He talked about making fifteen hundred bucks a week when you're up there in Major League Baseball spring training, Uh, and he said that's incredible. But he said as soon as you, if you don't make it, you go back to you know four eighty every two weeks or whatever it is, Um, and it's just. uh, And then he talked about some guys were homeless, and some guys are called up twenty times over up up and down over the course of a season. Can you? uh, I mean. To stay in the saddle and stay focused mentally, that takes a lot of resolve and grit.
1: Yeah, I mean, even in just even if you're just in the minor leagues, it's a hundred, it's about 140 games and 150 days. You know, and that's that's what the major league season is: 162 games and about 180 days. You know, so it's a baseball by definition is kind of a grind. Just being able to like stay focused all the way through. Then you have all these other these other pieces as well, as far as the player movement and all that stuff. So, yeah, it's, it's a world. I don't know if everybody, I'm with him too. Like I chose to do it. I was excited that I got to do it, but it was uh, not for a lot of money. And it made for the off season where you had to train, but also try to, you know, find a job
0: to to stay afloat. Incredible. Steve Palazzolo, pro football focus, NFL analyst, pff.com. He joins us on the bucked up energy drinks guest line. Steve according to the way y'all run the numbers and the analytics and and all this kind of cool stuff uh, who was the most valuable player on the field on Sunday in the Super Bowl
1: we didn't um, we don't have most valuable necessarily for a game but you know Aaron Donald I think it's tough to argue with what he did obviously um, the timing of when he had his big rushes the fact that the Bengals, um, I thought my boss, Chris Donsworth, did a pretty good job of laying out how the Bengals uh, were giving him extra attention early on, how the four-man rush from the Rams was, was forcing the center to, you know, double-team him and all that stuff. And then when the Rams decided to open it up a little bit, Aaron Donald was just unblockable. And, you know, I think that, that all added up to, you know, the fact that he's getting that extra attention, that he just wins when he is one-on-one. The fact that on the third and one, he's just bench pressing a guard and tackling the running back short on third and one with the game on the line. I mean, it all added up to Aaron Donald, I think, being, uh, being the dude on uh, Sunday.
0: Where? If he hung it up today, where would he rank? I mean, you know, point zero zero one percent of defensive linemen all time.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, it, I wish we had our play-by-play grading. For, for older players, for, for LT and Reggie White yeah. and some of the other players. Um, but we've never, we've been grading since 2006. We've never really seen anybody in Donald's ballpark, right? I mean, there was, there was a point where J.J. Watt looked like he was going to break our system. He was just uh, out of his mind from a grading standpoint. He just won so much up front. And then Donald surpassed that and then sustained it longer. And uh, the other thing, too, Donald... Had over 1,200 snaps on the field this year. Good on grief. the defensive line, including the playoffs. That that's insane. Like the 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 level of uh, you know, last year he had 900. He was up over 1,200 this year. So it just shows just how much he brings to the table as well. And and usually when a guy plays that much, they slow down, right? I mean, did he look like he was slowing down at the end of the game? The endurance is incredible. So uh, yeah, Donald, I think should rank as one of the best all time. I just wish we had. Uh, grades to be able to compare to some of the all-time
0: greats. Steve Palazzo, NFL analyst, pro football focus on the Out of Bounds show. All right, Cooper Cup, let's talk about what he brings to the table. His route running, his hands, his his ability to make uh, big plays, and also how impressed maybe y'all are when the field is shortened in the red zone and how he can still um, find a way to get open. And, and catch touchdowns.
1: Yeah, he was he was unreal. I mean, the entire season, um, even from week one against the Bears, it was like, all right, he keeps getting open. And week two against the Colts, I remember one of my uh, colleagues looking at me like, hey, you he might lead the league in yards, like the way he, the, the way the Rams are using him. So I think you saw, I think you saw early on, Cup's usage pattern, his connection with Stafford was immediate. And you just saw that in crunch time in the Super Bowl, right? I mean, for a couple quarters, I think the Rams really wanted to get the ball to OBJ. I think they, they had a game plan to, to use him to create a mismatch against Mike Hilton in the slot or Bay Ouzier with the, you know, the Bengals' corners. OBJ goes down. They didn't necessarily have an adjustment, but in crunch time, it was like, all right, we're going to our best guy. We've got to go to Cooper Cup and feed him the ball. So tight window throws didn't matter. He was getting open. You see how tough he is after the catch, you know, forcing missed tackles and um, creating extra yardage, and then of course, just the body control and the feel as a route runner is is outstanding. So Cooper Cup really has it all. I, mean, I knew he was good coming out of Eastern Washington. Saw him at the Senior Bowl live. He looked great, but wasn't expecting him to have a Jerry Rice-like season. That's what he had this year. Just unreal how uh, how effective he was from start to finish.
0: Where, do, where does he rank right now with all the wide receivers in the league, Cooper Cup?
1: I mean, if you just look at the season, I think it's him and Devontae Adams as, a, as the two top guys. I mean, if, if you're going forward, Kyrie Till's always in that conversation. And we'll see what DeAndre Hopkins has last. But based off, you know, what we've seen from a production standpoint, getting open, moving the chains, you know, finding the end zone, being able to do everything. Cooper Cup and Devontae Adams, I think, are are 1-1-A one one right now from this 2021 season.
0: How about Stafford throwing a couple of picks, and yet they won, and they had the drive when it counted. Uh, you know, how does that? How did the numbers fall? The Pro Football Focus PFF numbers. Uh, what was the outcome for y'all with Stafford?
1: Yeah, we had him grading well. You know, one of the interceptions I think uh, Ben Garonic kind of slowed out of his route or got slowed out of his route made it look worse that, that second interception early in the second half. So I don't think that was as bad as it looked. The, the one in the end zone was bad. Stafford throwing it up and uh, Jesse Bates making the play. But uh, Stafford played well. Had a bunch of big-time throws down the field. Of course, the no-look that's going viral that everybody's talking about. That's incredible. Uh, It was. And, and he's, he's done that. You know, it, that wasn't new. And the way I used to always describe Stafford is that three games per year he would look like one of the best quarterbacks in the league, but it was literally just three games. And in those three games though, that's the type of stuff he would do. He would just have this feel for where everybody was. It was like he was in this different world. And he had, you know, again, similar games like that this year, a couple, Um, but you see a little bit more of that type of play. I think from him over the last two years, where there's just this incredible feel, this confidence, and he pulls out this arm talent, which is awesome. And, um, he did it in crunch time, which is awesome too. And, and Stafford's really stepped up in the fourth quarter when, when they've needed him and must pass situations. So a lot to like about Stafford's marriage with the Rams and, and the way he performed this season and especially down the stretch here in the playoffs.
0: Ha- I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're hear is in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business.
1: Sports is not uh, as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't
0: want to do another stomp you out speech. It
1: opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal.
0: Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify.
1: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it?
0: For the Rams, you're good with it, no way. Uh, and also the pattern that the refs had established for the first, you know, ninety percent of the game. How did that land for y'all, Steve Polesla?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's the pattern that that I um, that I don't like about it the most. Right? That there was a point in the game where the only flag was Vernon Hargraves coming off the coming off the sideline, right? So they were not throwing a lot of flags. And, you know, early in the game, you had – you've got Jalen Ramsey having a similar tug on the jersey for T. Higgins. So, yeah, I I – the Logan Wilson holding on third and goal was a bad call. I thought that was an incredible defensive play. He didn't even really hold. And it was not something that they were calling, right, flow of the game. So I thought that was bad. But at the same time, the worst, the worst call of the game was T. Higgins getting a free 75-yarder where they didn't call anything when he ripped Jalen Ransom to the ground by a face mask. So my, my issue with the officiating is when you could go back and say these two or three plays that were either called or not called had massive swings in win probability. So a third and goal with the game on the line, a 75-yard touchdown. That's where I think the rest really missed. Two bad calls, you know, one no call and one that they shouldn't have called. Um, other than that, I thought it was it was fine, but uh, yeah, that holding I think by the Bengals was uh, was a bad call down the stretch.
0: Senior NFL analyst, Pro Football Focus, he is Steve Palazzolo on the Out of Bounds Show. All right, let's switch gears. Um, Steve Palazzolo is a general manager, and he's got an awesome, awesome offensive coach, kind of like uh, McVay and Sean Payton and all these guys out there. Um. Who is Steve picking today? If they're moving, at what? Russell Wilson or Aaron um, Rodgers?
1: Oh, I would take I would take Rodgers. Okay, I would take Rodgers. I would try to make a two year run with Rodgers. I think Russ might have a little bit more in him, obviously year wise, but I think Rodgers could give you. Uh, he could definitely give you a championship opportunity a little bit better than Russ could at this point.
0: Okay. Um,
1: And no signs of slowing down, I don't think, from from Rodgers. No. Because that, that'll be interesting to see, right? Brady has kind of, like, changed our changed the calculus on how we think about 40-year-old quarterbacks because he was still so good at 44. But that was the tipping point for so many previous quarterbacks, whether it was Brett Favre or Peyton Manning or, you know, and most quarterbacks didn't even get there. Joe Montana, right? They didn't even get close to 40. And Rodgers is creeping up there. And he doesn't look like he's slowing down. So, does this become the norm where just, you know, 40, you, know, you can play until you're 40 or 42 if you want? I mean, we just saw Breeze, too. He, he broke down toward the end. So, that'll be interesting to see with Rodgers because he doesn't look like he's slowing down. But this is about the time when most quarterbacks usually see some sort of progression.
0: Uh, do you think Rodgers will leave? No,
1: I get the feeling he's, he's still happy there, it, you know, but he just likes to complain. Be a Pretty much, but, he, but he hasn't really complained a ton this off season so far. I think the, I think a lot of people have projected that. He complained last year, and, you know, there was a lot more rumblings last year. But I think they they had a good year. I think he's happy there. And I think you see Brady leaving the box and I don't know. I think the NFC might be the place to be for Rodgers. They have to great. bring Devontae Adams back, and they're going to lose some other players. But it still might be his best situation to win, and I think he's a lot happier there this year than he was last year at this time.
0: What do y'all hear? Jordan Love? I mean, is he... Uh, I mean, can he play, he can't play? What What have you heard?
1: Um, I think... I don't think there's confidence there in Jordan Love just yet. Yeah, I also don't think the Packers need to force it, right? They would still rather have two years of Aaron Rodgers and say, okay, we missed on a first-round pick with Jordan Love. So, they... uh I, I don't. I don't see the Packers wanting to build around Jordan Love right now. If he only had the one start. I don't want to completely overrate that, but um, there's, a, there's still a lot of progression needed in Love's game, especially taking care of the football.
0: All right. Do you expect Russell Wilson to move on? Uh, he's.
1: I, I think we're going to be void of drama this year because Pete Carroll's getting older. I can't imagine he wants to move on, and. I think they'll just kind of reconcile there too and give it one more go. Um, it would I, I, Seattle is an organization, I think, should see what they could get for Russ, just because they're in a rough spot as far as draft capital goes. But again, I pair it, I pair that with a 70 year old Pete Carroll or whatever he is, and wondering like, does he really want a new quarterback over there? Does he want to start over? Does he want to rebuild? And I just don't know if they're ready to do that just yet. So I would. I have a feeling Rodgers and Russ are both going back.
0: Man, I need drama.
1: I want it too, but I, it just feels like there's less this year. Maybe, I know, we need Russ to go on Dan Patrick and, you know, pout, pout a little bit. Like yes.
0: <laughs> Steve Palazzolo, com, on the Out of Bounds show and the Bucked Up Energy Drinks guest line. Okay, tell me what y'all, uh, you know, the transition now for the, are you going to be in Las Vegas for the draft? Uh, no, we cover it from Cincinnati. We'll have live coverage and everything. So. Okay. Very cool. But we'll
1: be going wall to wall.
0: Do y'all, do y'all have y'all already pivoted and, and you're going like deep dive head first into the NFL draft.
1: Yeah. We, I mean, we have a whole team that always does that anyway, but um, you know, for me, it's, it's, it's free agency. It, it's all team building season, right? Cause you, your teams have to make that decision. Where am I going to fill my needs? Am I going to do it in free agency? Am I going to do it in the draft? And you're stacking up those boards, both free agency and the draft, kind of side by side with investments to take it into consideration. So that's where my head is at, uh, all of that right now, as far as team building, free agency, the draft. It, it, it is that time of year for sure. All
0: right. Uh, Matt Corral is going to be the first quarterback taken. You still believe in that? I do. I
1: do. There's no, uh, not even a rumor yet that he'd be up there. I don't think. There's a lot of Malik Willis. There's a lot of Kenny Pickett. Not hearing Matt's name just yet.
0: At the top. All right, I can't believe that Malik Willis is up there compared to. I, I don't even think it's close. I am not a QB evaluator. Um, I do like to drink a couple of beers and watch a ton of football. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't. I think it's like, you have to understand pic- why, but like okay. when you watch
1: it, when Malik Willis throws, okay, he's the closest thing to Josh Allen. As far as his velocity, it is, it is insane. And I think the recency bias of Josh Allen and Justin Herbert developing and all that stuff makes people believe in Malik Willis more. Because I'm with you, like there's a lot of his game that he needs to polish, right? Accuracy is not great, but his running ability and his pure arm we're in a spot where recently we've seen those guys develop accuracy and get better, and I think that's going to help Malik Willis's case. The same thing that I think hurt Mac Jones's case, right or wrong, that you know he, he he's not that type of player, and we saw you know and he probably went lower than he than he should have, knowing what we know now. You so still you think so? That's my why. With Mac, I, mean, I think. I'm not saying it was egregious that he fell to 15 or anything. But okay. You could say, you know, I think I, I thought he was better than Trey Lance cutting out, but you're 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 banking on that that upside play that most recently. Oh, had the Gannon mobility for, for yeah. multiple teams. Okay. Yeah, mobility and Gannon certain And that's the thing. Malik Willis isn't that much different from Trey Lance as a prospect who went number three overall last year. I, he doesn't have Trey Lance's production, but
0: I think right now, that, like. Mal- comparing Malik Willis to to Matt Corral is like comparing Kirk Cousins to Patrick Mahomes.
1: Ooh, the the tough part about Corral is that offense. Evaluating uh, you know, an offense that creates creates some favorable throws and everything. So um, I like Corral. I think there's a lot to like there, but I also I don't think there's a distinct top QB in this draft just yet, and we'll see because there probably will be, and I I don't know who that person's going to be. Okay. I, I know. might be Mac might be Mac Correll.
0: Uh yeah, he ran for two hundred yards against Tennessee. I mean that's pretty yeah, impressive.
1: Like that. That's good. Yeah. Absolutely. I think all of that I mean most quarterback, even Barrow can move a little bit, right? I mean, I think oh, every yeah. quarterback that's entered the NFL in the last couple of years, uh, can, can pick up yards on the ground and it's and it's huge. Um just to, because it just it, it buys you a little leeway. You don't have to be as good as a passer. If you could pick up yards on the on the ground, so it is a, a big part of all these quarterbacks' games. All
0: right, do you have Charles Cross going number one out of Mississippi State?
1: I do not, and he's he's another guy. I'm sorry, I'm going to trash all your players here. He's got the one year of production, which scares me a little bit. Sure, where he did, we didn't have him graded as well in 2020, so he's kind of a late bloomer type. I think there are safer plays at tackle, and he'd be kind of like your your upside play. That tackle, I, I don't know if I would take him at one. I would take Hutchinson probably at one if
0: I was the Jaguars. Is that your is that your Big Ten bias?
1: Oh yeah, tons of Big Ten bias for me. <laughs> being, being from being from Boston, uh, he, just, he just graded well. I feel safer with those defensive linemen for the Jaguars than I do the the tackles. But uh, the Jags are in a tough spot picking number one overall, and they have so many needs and right nobody really wants that number 1 pick this year
0: if you had to bet 100 bucks on pick 2 quarterback or another position
1: i'm going to go another position at this point i, I don't I, free agency will tell us a lot but i i think there's a world where a lot of the quarterbacks just fall because teams they want to take a shot on them but they don't want to invest in the top 10 but at the same time you might have somebody fall in love with any one of them and just go get their guy. So, it's, it's the same old story of trying to predict it It's difficult. But I think at number two, the Lions go position player and then maybe circle back to quarterback at 32.
0: Okay. Uh, d- all right, real quick, because I'm going to ask you this a thousand times between now and the draft, which, by the way, we're going to the Great. draft. And I'm very excited. I got ten seconds. A quarterback goes in the top five picks. I say yes. What do you say, Steve Palazzo?
1: I'm going to say no as of now. Subject to change, of course.
0: All right. Well, uh, I appreciate it. I hope you get to uh, write a poem or read a book this weekend with no football. And we'll talk next yeah. week, buddy.
1: All right. Thank you. Appreciate
0: it. Steve Palazzolo, Pro Football Focus, PFF.com senior analyst. He joined us on the Bucked Up Energy Drinks guest line. We are the Out of Bounds Show, ESPN 105.9 The Zone. So, will the, uh, will the best closer in the history of college football – win in the Arch Manning sweepstakes, or will the hometown? Live in the Bank Plus studio. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
1: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time.
0: No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky.